Good morning, Christ Church. What a gift it is to be in worship this morning. Eric sends his greetings. He is thinking about you all today as he and Tara return home from a wedding in Pittsburgh. I'm thankful to him, thankful to all of you for trusting me with the pulpit today, this moment now of proclamation and reflection. Will you pray with me? Oh God, who is present with us here and now, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. Amen. Like Eric this weekend, last weekend, I returned to the city from which I just moved to officiate a wedding. It was a treat to celebrate the marriage of two people dear to me, along with a circle of other close friends, many of whom also traveled back to Kansas City from cities they now call home. To make the weekend even sweeter, on Sunday night, the same circle of friends and I all went to see Beyonce in concert. Her most recent album, Renaissance, is beautiful and brilliant, and I was thrilled when I realized that my group of friends who are rarely in the same space at the same time anymore would all be able to go. We got together Sunday afternoon to get ready and left excitedly and early for the venue, which was wise. Traffic was terrible, so bad, in fact, that the show did not start until 10 p.m. to allow most people to get in. We pressed on, though, through hours of waiting in the car and sitting in stadium seats. We strained forward until that moment was finally there. The stage lights shifted and the show began. When it did, all anxious anticipation vanished. We were here in this moment. As was Beyonce, who greeted us by saying how grateful she is to feel so present, that she prays to give y'all some of my energy, and we give it back to each other. That's what Renaissance is about, she said, being together, celebrating life and love, much like my friends and I did last weekend. At the end of the show, Beyonce thanked the crowd, saying, I hope you feel love inside of your heart, and I hope you take it everywhere you go. Beyonce's benediction reminds me a bit of Paul's words in the letter to the Philippians, a passage of which we heard this morning. Most of the letters in the Christian Testament lay out theological explanation or guidance for church practice to help the early Jesus movement figure out who they were. But Philippians is different. It's more relaxed. While Paul writes from prison, he writes from the heart these people who are far away from him now. He recites hymns, he tells the church he misses them, and he reflects on how much he sees God present within this community. These are Paul's friends. Much like the joy I felt last weekend with friends who now live far away, Paul's words are saturated with love and delight. Today we read about Paul's personal story. He had once been a public leader respected by Jewish people and Roman officials. He was born in the right family, built up with the right training and career. If life was a game, Paul was winning. As a proponent of proper society, Paul began to persecute Jesus' followers, finding this fringe movement too different from and dangerous to the way the world was supposed to work. But then he realized what or who he was oppressing everything changed. When Paul saw that God was in Christ and in his followers, he learned that righteousness was not rendered by accomplishment or success, especially within an unjust society like the Roman Empire. Instead, Paul understood 
God had made things right with the world already out of love through the presence of Christ resurrected and embodied through communities like his friends in Philippi. I've been thinking a lot about a different story about someone who journeyed through the world structures, thinking they were on the right path to God, only to have everything turned upside down. Hillelum is the main character in the short story Tower of Babylon by Ted Chang. And this adaptation of the Tower of Babel story, the world works just like an ancient understanding of cosmology. The earth is flat and heaven is high above, guarded by some mysterious surface through which human beings might cross. Hillelum's story picks up centuries into the construction of the tower, a grand effort of building of humans to build their way to heaven. He works as a miner, and Hillelum is part of a team that has been charged to mine through the marble-like layer of the sky and find out what heaven lies on the other side. It takes months for them to journey up the circular steps of the tower, and when they get there, their work has only just begun. They begin to chisel out a path overhead slowly, and some weeks later, Hillelum is working alone, burrowing up through a space too small for anyone to follow, when suddenly he is swept up in a flow of water. He wakes up in a cave and stumbles out into a sun-blazing desert. Is this heaven? Is he here? He thinks that it looks a lot like earth when he spots some figures in the distance. Maybe they're angels. But as they creep closer, he begins to recognize their dress. Where am I? Hillelum asks. Elam, they say. The very region in which Hillelum grew up and the one in which nearby, the tower he had just climbed, still stands. Somehow, the vault of heaven lay beneath the earth, Hillelum realizes as he begins journeying back to familiar roads. He is unsteady with awe, the narrator says, as he learns that all of this labor would not reveal to them any more of creation than they already know. I think that Hillelum's revelation is not unlike Paul's conversion. That to which he was building up did not get him anywhere. God simply wanted him to be present to this world. Or like it says in our other reading from Matthew today, God uses this unexpected cornerstone to establish a new way of being in the world, which for Paul was formed after God in Christ. I said earlier that Philippians is more personal than philosophical, which is true, but our passage today actually contains a quirk that has sparked quite the scholarly debate over time. In verse 9, Paul explains how this newfound righteousness comes through faith in Christ. At least, that's what the translation we heard today reads. The form of grammar in the original Greek is actually ambiguous, and it could be translated as comes through the faith of Christ. Faith in versus faith of may feel like splitting hairs, but theological systems can transform depending on how one reads this phrase. Is Paul saying that right being with God comes through our faith in Christ? Or is it about the faith of Jesus lived out in his life, death, and resurrection? I have a hunch, as do many scholars, that it's actually the latter. 
Paul's point here is that the grace of God is bigger than anything to which we can build up on our own. Christ invites us to see that the realm of God is not one we attain. It's one that's already here within us and among us as human beings beloved by our creator. This is the good news Paul celebrates with his friends. Things are already made right with God. The world is messy and we humans can be downright terrible and tragic in how we treat each other and operate as a society. We cannot imagine the understanding of this and the grief with which so many people in Israel and Gaza woke up this week as they've lost loved ones to the tragedies that are breaking out across the globe. Despite all of the pain in the world, a reality is rendered within the wider grace in which God holds us, this web of God's realm to which, through the faith of Christ, we can be fully present. I recently finished the third season of an HBO show called We're Here. The show is something like Queer Eye, except the hosts are drag queens. They don't offer a total life makeover, but prepare everyday people to perform in drag. It's a powerful show. Instead of cities like New York, Chicago, or LA, they pick small towns like Granbury, Texas, Selma, Alabama. In each episode, the three hosts are each assigned a local to take on for the week. Sometimes it's a young person just out of the closet. Other times it's a well-known LGBTQ plus leader. Other times it's an ally seeking better to know their child or sibling. Whomever it is, I cry in every episode. The only goal of the show is for the drag mother to prepare their child, their participant, to perform in drag for a show that the whole town is invited to. Sometimes the town offers a warm welcome, but most of the time they do not. And each episode includes struggle as people deal with shame or fear of living into this moment that celebrates their truth. Yet each episode ends in pure celebration of people as they are, where they are. Instead of hiding the presence of LGBTQIA plus folk or pretending that queer people only live in big cities, this show joyously proclaims, we're here. Though the goal of the show is not to change anyone's minds, there is something transformative in the show's title and intention. As people learn to be present to who they are and to the other people around them, they develop deeper understandings of their own sacred identities, the stories shared, and as people are simply given permission to be here. In some ways, the theme of Beyonce's renaissance is also this presence, this declaration that we're here. The album draws inspiration from disco and house music, two genres particularly loved by LGBTQ folk, especially Black LGBTQ communities. The album and the tour are both designed for dance and community. Like the line of one song says, look around, it's me and my crew, big energy. Beyonce released Renaissance in 2022, and the album rings with joyful resistance. In the midst of ongoing legislation against drag, against transgender folk, and so much more, this album announced that 
We're here. We're not going anywhere. When Break My Soul, the first single and foremost anthem of resistance, was released, it was accompanied with an image of Beyonce posing in front of a Renaissance-era painting of Paul's conversion. You probably are familiar with the Damascus scene and its artistic imagination. Paul falling off of his horse as his life is turned around. I'm taking my new salvation. I'm building a new foundation, Beyonce sings in the song, something with which Paul himself might resonate, given how he was transformed and reborn when he became present to God in Christ, a new foundation. I might add one thing to the theological nitpicking over our passage in Philippians. To me, it feels odd for Paul to think about the heavenly call of God in Christ as a prize, especially in the midst of him sharing a story about realizing that God's grace is not something one can win. But in Philippians, Paul has been using the metaphor of life as a race. And I don't think he means to imply that our spiritual lives are as linear as some lined track or that God's grace is a simple finish line to cross. This heavenly call Paul talks about has also been translated as an upward call. But the Greek word for heavenly or upward could also be used to talk about something full to the brim. It's the same word that John uses in talking about the miracle when Jesus turns water into wine and tells his disciples to take the 12 jugs of water and fill them, or the jugs, and fill them up with water to the brim. This call that Paul is considering, the life he now lives with his friends in Philippi, is not one that climbs a ladder to the topmost rung of achievement. It is one that dives deep into a world that's full to the brim of God's presence, one that's founded in this wholeness of Christ that Christ pours into the world. This call, too, is the one around which we gather as Christ Church NYC. Already I feel this warmth that Paul talks about with his friends, the Philippians, in this community. There is a lot going on in our church life right now. I'm excited for everything I'm up to in my new role of spiritual formation and LGBTQ plus development. There are other new programs, new people, and new ways in which we are being church in a changing world. While we always ought to aim for critical theology, creative action, and compassionate care, what God calls us, most of all, to do is to be people together, pressing past the pressure to accomplish and attain, and straining toward the prize of being present to God among us, together. Amen.